Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless. If at all possible, find the obvious buried in the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. It's time for a friggin' overall. Glad to have you joining me from anywhere and everywhere around planet Earth. The magic of technology never ceases to amaze me. I was thinking about it the other day when I couldn't find the television remote. Thinking back to probably 1966, 67, somewhere in there. And we had this television. We didn't have a remote. I was the remote. My dad would sit there having his TV dinner after work at the bank. And I recall something about Star Trek maybe being on 6.30 p.m. at Tuesday nights. Might be wrong, but it was close to that. And eventually I'd be standing next to the TV to turn it up, turn it down, switch the channels, do this, do that. But if Star Trek came on, don't touch the television. Technology's changed a little bit. I could sit there and never get up for like a week and just click stuff and go through 9 million channels. Doesn't mean anything's good there. It just means there's 9 million channels to choose from. So I thank you for taking the time to choose to listen to this because today is really going to be something else. So I've been doing radio 25 plus years and I can remember a lot of the people who've come across my nose on the air and even more uh, rare is it that somebody I spend time with as a guest becomes a friend and somebody I follow their work after the show because you get thousands of people. Sometimes it's just not possible. But Joe McQuillan is one of these guys that has stayed on my radar for many different reasons. My Our mutual friend Jennifer Weigel introduced us a few years ago. And this is a guy, this is my kind of guy. That's why we stay in touch. He's the uh, youngest of 10 kids, born into an Irish Catholic family, uh, at heart a blue-collar kid from Buffalo, New York. He's been 36 years sober. He's a member of AA. And all of that played into his ability to go through one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult challenge a parent has ever had to undertake. He's going to explain all that. And the reason I asked Joe to come on at this particular time and on this particular day, just as we're going into the holiday season in a big way, is how do you deal with loss, especially the loss of a child. My buddy Joe joins us on the Life 2.0 podcast. Hey, Joseph. John, thanks, uh, thanks for the kind introduction. I sure do appreciate it. I read it off your website, brother. Yeah, well, I'm not <laughs> saying I didn't write it. I'm just saying I appreciate it. <laughs> and now you know why we get along so well. So listen, a few years ago, you had this book come out called My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. Jennifer Weigel, our mutual friend, said, you got to talk to this guy. And so you came to my humble studio here at my house, and we were sitting here not 10 feet away from me. We had quite a conversation, and it stuck with me. And the, the, the things that really got me, number one is, as I said, you could have been a guy I grew up with, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, that connection makes it even more real to me. And number two, you might be the most reluctant prophet and messenger I've ever met because of what you've gone through in your wife, Sally, um, and losing your son, Chris, and then... Not just that part, but then being open to the evolution of, of that life and how it is without him, but also with him, and writing that first book. Right, right. You know, I am, I am in fact, a, a reluctant prophet. You know, uh, it certainly wasn't something um, I expected to be my life's work the last lap around the track, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know I, I do all the things that—, that people like us do i light sage and candles and meditate and you'd look at me a picture yeah. and with a brush cut and kind of a bent nose and say 
He doesn't look like a guy. Yeah, he doesn't look like a guy that that would that would meditate and 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 quote Haruki Murakami. But I yep, am. That's yep. exactly who I am. And the fates determined that an event that happened um, caused the the path that I was taking. And 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 it was you know it was given to me. And I'm I'm taking up the task, man. You had an option, obviously. There's choices in everything. Um, after Chris's death, and you're going through this unbelievable period of mourning and sorrow when was it that the knock first started for you like you know what i got to make something out of this otherwise we both die here you know that, that's a really great way to describe it you know driving up this is crazy driving up to 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 they, they i got in a call that said or a text it said christopher and on january 3rd 2016 christopher and and three friends were missing there was a group of 12 kids all staying at a a, a parent's lake house and kicking up their heels before going back to college. So I got that text and, and I, you know, grabbed the lab, jumped in the Jeep, grabbed the, you know, winter jacket and figured I was going to find him, you know, in a, in a boathouse with a pretty co-ed, you know, we're hung over at somebody else's house. And halfway up, I got a, a notice that said, or a text that said, Mr. McKeel, a call actually this time, you know, Mr. McQuillan, it, it, it's it's no longer a search but a, or a rescue, but a, a recovery because all four boys had drowned. And, and, and you just go, you know, has anybody been in that situation? You just go dark. You just go black. But I thought back to 16 years when I had actually on a lark visited a medium. And most of the most of the uh, of the session was pretty mundane, except at the end, she said, your dad's here and he's holding a caboose and telling you railroad. This was in 2000. This is before. Mm. This is before Google search or, or, or Facebook or anything. And so my dad was a, a railroader for 40 years. All the boys on the railroad worked on the railroad. So it was like, wow, I just took that information and put it in an emotional file cabinet. And only that then did I realize that that information was given to me so that on January 3rd, 2016, I could look at it and say, if my dad is somewhere, if Iron Joe is somewhere, and Chris transitioned, he's with him. And immediately started the search that said, I'm going to check out this whole metaphysical scene. And by the way, John, if it's if it's metaphysical BS, let's cross it off the list. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, let's take this as far as we could go. And that's what started it. You know, as I'm sitting here, and again, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of the audience here because I know you and I've read the books and, and I, I we've talked quite a few times over the years and I've seen you do your talk at one of Weigel's events uh, a year or yeah. so ago. Uh, I, I get the story, I know it. But somebody listening as they just hear this, I have two thoughts that pop into my head. I'm gonna throw those out just because they popped into my head. Somebody else is probably thinking the same thing. Number one is, why do you think that people are so reticent to push back on something they can't explain? Uh, arrogance, ego, and fear. You know, and fear's probably uh, the biggest one. You know, they're afraid to look behind the curtain, you mm. know. Why do people follow other people like lemmings, John? Mm-hmm. You know, because they're afraid to step outside the box. You know, the the but benefit of being from an Irish Catholic family, we, we you know, we had ten kids, we moved to the suburbs and the neighbors hated us. You know, we had yeah. kids and bicycles and touch football games and we threw balls over people's hedges, you know, we had dogs running around. I mean, they absolutely hated us, you know. And that what that did prepare me for is that the only people that matter are the ones that matter. So I really, you know, I'm sure there's people in the neighborhood for criminy sakes that, mm-hmm. that read the book and say, what kind of whack job is this? And that has no bearing on, on my work, my passion, my commitment, 
what does is that, you know, I can reach out to parents who've lost kids or anybody who's lost anybody of significance, but really specifically lost kids. And I can bring hope, you know, and I can bring some love and peace to somebody who's in their darkest spot. And I'm doing that because Chris is pushing me in that direction. Hmm. You know, he wants me to be that ambassador. And he had said to me in, in these, these sessions, he'd say, you know, Pop, you know, you're a great ambassador because you don't look like a type of guy mm -hmm. that would follow this path. And you need to you need to get the word out. And and that's what I've been doing since, you know, two, halfway through 2016. And what percentage of people would you guesstimate, estimate, Joe, that have after they've read the books, uh, my search for Christopher on the other side, and then the second one, we're not done yet, Pop. That really got me because that's what my son calls me. <laughs> it's not dad, it's Pop. Yeah. Uh, my lessons from the other side. What percentage of people that read that reach out to you and say, thank you for giving me permission to feel like this? Um, it's hard to put a number on it, but it's it's extensive. And and I'm going to give out my email here, which is jbmcquillen at gmail.com. You know, I just did an interview with a guy named Jeff Mara. I had no idea who he was, and it had mm -hmm. 40,000 views, right? Mm -hmm. So then I'm getting the emails, and, and it's amazing how validating that is. You know, I'm not a guy that quotes the scripture very often, but, you know, St. Paul said, I have, you know, I have, I have run my race, yes. you know, and that's how I feel. That's what Christopher had done, and that's what I'm doing. You know, I've been poured out like a libation. You know, which means when, when, you know, I'm 65, I've got a few miles in the tank left, yeah. but when it's time to go, I'm going to know I ran my race. And everybody that sends an email through the webpage, which is joemcquillan.net, or, you know, or email through me giving you an email, I respond to. Because that's, you know, I live my life two ways, John, and, and I wasn't always this way. You know, I bet you could probably guess that. Mm -hmm. You know, 37 years sober, I was selfish and a, and, a, and a bit wild as when I was young. And even older, I was focused on my family and what was important to me. And, and everybody else was kind of, you know, like a, a role player in my life, right? And, and all of a sudden, that changed, you know. There's a, there's a great... You know, quote from Haruki Murakami that says, once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain. When you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what storms are all about. Mm -hmm. And that's what this was. This was that one tsunami, you know, that changed my life. And I'm a different guy than I was, than the, the guy that walked in. I live... To my life two ways. One is to please my God. And, and God revealed himself to me after Christopher was, had transitioned and revealed that he didn't take my son. You know, my son's recklessness and free will caused him to cross home early, mm -hmm. but that he was there for me, holding me up. And the second is to make my son proud. You know, so mm. a guy like that, if I'm really living that path, I'm getting email from somebody that's hurting, I have to respond. Yeah. And there's so much you know, fulfillment to read that said, I felt I was alone until I read your book, or I heard you speak, and I know there's a place for me to go, and I now can have faith. You know, holy cow, you know, mm. talk about talk about fulfilling, you know, your journey. That's that's what I'm supposed to do. Always felt that when it's time, it's time. Yeah. And, and no matter what I do, or how I eat, or if I'm careful going across the street, or drive the speed limit, or a million other things. You know, I, I worked with Dr. Oz for five years on Oprah Radio, and we would have this argument. 
And his whole thing was, you got to do X, Y, and Z to live to be 90. And I said, there's no guarantee of 90. Are you kidding me? So it was this, uh, you know, we, we would butt heads on this. And I, I still fall into that line where, you know, I can't explain all the events in the world. I'm not supposed to. But I, I just have this feeling we came in knowing exactly when we showed up. Here's the date you arrived. Here's the time you arrived. Here's your footprint on the back. And here's the doctor's signature. But there isn't anybody listening to this that knows when they're leaving. You know, I will tell you that this morning I got up very early. And I, you know, it's funny you should say that. It's not that I don't believe in taking care of you, should you take care of yourself? And I went out and saw a client on the wing back, had a cigar stopped and got a steak sandwich <laughs> for lunch. You know, but, but, but this morning I sat down and was writing about soul contracts, you know, for the mm. book, third book. And the third book is One Foot in Both Worlds. And, and I'm, you know, I'm working, I'm in no monster hurry. Um, I feel really close to Chris when I'm involved in these projects, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we signed soul contracts. Now, I got to tell you, the soul contract that Chris and I signed, I'm not real happy with. Yeah, I hear know? you, brother. I but hear we you. did it. You know, I would, I, you know, and I will tell you this, that, you know, I know my son's around. I can feel him. He's around this second right mm. now as I mm. speak to mm. you. I know when he's around. He comes through all the times with mediums, and we have this channel session still to this date, you know, twice a month at least, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I take dictation it's not a two-way street he's dictating things to me you know so you know that continues you know but i also know that if i could have passed on this right it was like you know i'm not trying to control you know compare it to christ but when christ said you know you could pass this you could take this cup away yeah if i had the option i would rather be abysmally ignorant yeah pick up extra cheese and pepperoni pizza and chris and i watch uh, you know, watch New England get beat tonight on Monday Night Football. That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's what I want. You right. know, to me, that's, that's what, you know, but, but Christopher had a soul contract, and I was part of it, and this is where it, it left, led us. So I'm fulfilling my part of this. You know, if I had a vote, it would be no, but I didn't. So yeah. I guess I signed it long before I ever came into this side, you know. I'm reminded of a chapter in my third book, Phenomenon, that talks about Chelsea's window. And I know yes. you read that. And, and I heard loved that. your book. And I, thanks. And, I, and had I, again, I'm much the same. I grew up in the city of Chicago. I'm a knuckle dragger at heart. My favorite <laughs> time is still just to be in the gym and see how much weight I could push at 64. Yeah. All the things I shouldn't be doing. Same drill. It's, again, that's why I appreciate so much where you come from because it's not theory. It's real life. Right. And I had been up at this uh, sauna that I've been going to for years after these two children, 16 and 17, were killed in a car accident. Yeah. Chelsea Hewitt and Tim Watch go back in 02. And the long and short of it is we go into these saunas to, to heal and sit with the men who lost their children. And that got to be bigger and bigger. And over years, we didn't miss for like 10, 12 years. And one day I was in there. And again, I, you know, some of this stuff has happened to me and I, I don't even believe it. Thank God there's witnesses because yeah. other people see it. And I was in this sauna with my friends and my buddy Doug, who lost Chelsea in that auto accident, was just, his back was glowing red, like like a beetle of some kind. I thought, doesn't anybody often see this but me? And so this went around for a little while, and I clearly heard my mind, go look in the window. And so I excused myself. My three brothers are still doing the sauna, and Doug's kind of talking about stuff and getting ramped up. And the other two guys, one's a Native American, one's a Lutheran pastor, and they're coming from their perspectives to help him best they can, and it's not doing anything, and he's just getting bent on why she died, and other people can feel things in dreams, and it was this whole thing going on, so I excused myself, and I think I'm supposed to go look at their house where Chelsea's bedroom window is, and I walk out into the foyer where we change clothes, 
And on the inside of the door, that except the, the closed and open door, the main door of the sauna, on the inside of the door, it says I-L-U-V-D-A-D. <laughs> and I about shit myself. Yeah. And yeah. I said, this can't be real. So I went in and got the boys out and Doug walked out, saw this and dropped to his knees. Yeah. And so that type of ex- experience for me I so relate to what you're doing up early in the morning listening to Chris give dictation. The, the line between here and there is now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it's onion skin thin. Yes. Right. Yes, it's yeah. it's right there. And the thing is, John, you and I are like harbingers out there trying to get people to open up because, you know, I say it all the time, you know, I'm a regular guy on this amazing journey, right? It, yep. you know, I, I, I'm not in flowing robes, and, and, and you know, you know, uh, it's it's. But I'm on this journey that's been put in front of me. But before I started this journey, I was giving this amazing evidence to kind of kickstart it, right? To get me started. And then it's if you really reflect, and I tell people if you're going through this, you know, keep a journal, write down. If you meet with a medium, you know, tape it, put it on your iPhone. You know, because you want to be able to go back and reflect on it. And the things you will hear are going to amaze you, mm-hmm. you know, it because the other side is right here. It's, you know, you've just got to do your part, too. I remember that one we did it, that Jen and I did it at Wilmette Theater. A, a woman was saying, well, my sister's been gone three years and I don't hear anything from her. And, you know, and, and a typical reaction for me was, yeah, well, what are you doing on your part? Right, you know, right, right. What are you doing to enhance that signal, you know, the cell right. phone signal? What are you doing? Are you meditating? Are you, are you aligning your chakras? Are you, are, are you trying to delve into the spiritual world? What are you doing? And yep. the answer was nothing. She was doing nothing. And guess what her result was? Nothing. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, so it's, you, like, it's like listening to the radio. You're going to get the station you tune into. And if you're just going back and forth and you're busy, this is not something in my experience that you feel with your mind or hear with your mind. It's a heart thing. It comes through the center of us. And when it comes through the center of us and everything's out of the way, for me, that's why it's usually early in the morning. Like you, I'm, there's nothing going on. I, I clear as a bell. I had a good night's sleep. That's usually when I can hear the most or the clearest. But there's been other times where it's, it, again, very reluctant in all this. I was even reluctant somewhat to write the book, but things have happened that I can't explain, nor do I want to. Right. And I'm not supposed to. I'm just supposed to right. deliver the mail, and that's what you do. So one of the reasons I asked you to come on this show, you know what? I got an idea. We're about halfway through. Okay. I was going to save this to the end. Let me drop the needle on a little musical interlude, and then I'm going to come back on the other side with you and talk about some of the questions I have, okay? Good, because I like your music. All right. Christmas Day Driving the cattle Over snow-covered plains All of the good gifts Given today Ours is the sky And the wide open range Back in the city They have different ways Football and eggnog and Christmas parades 
I'll take my blanket I'll take the reins It's Christmas for cowboys Wide open plains A campfire for warmth As we stop for the night Stars overhead For Christmas tree lights The wind sings a hymn As we bow down to pray It's Christmas for cowboys Wide open plains Tall in the saddle We spend Christmas day Driving the cattle over snow-covered plains All of the good gifts given today Ours is the sky and the wide open range It's Christmas for cowboys and wide open plains Bill McQuillan is joining me on the Life 2.0 podcast. Uh, that song has meaning to you, doesn't it? Holy cow. <laughs> Let me stop crying. Yeah, hmm. um, yeah that was uh, <clears throat> that was Christopher's favorite Christmas song. And actually, uh, and we both love John Denver, your guy. Uh, and and Christopher actually worked on a ranch in Arizona, and, and he was a cowboy for a while. And, hmm. uh, and it's funny, I was writing about that this morning, you know. <laughs> Um, just, you know, that he was one of the freest people I've ever met. And, and I was never that free. You know, I was always kind of, uh, you know, prisoner to either being successful or, or, you know, as much as I'm far from a people pleaser, you know, rolling with the conventions that Mm -hmm. help you get by, you know, Mm -hmm. and he just wasn't, he didn't suffer from that. You know, ergo, he had 2000 people at his wake, you know, 21 years old. Right. Um, I'd have to give out $5 tokens to get people, that many people at my way. <laughs> I don't <know>. think so. <laughs> but, John, that, I mean, that was just such a, a wonderful, thank you for that. That's well, you're so welcome. Well, and and it's stuck in my head years ago. For, and, you know, it pops up every now and again. And literally before we got ready to do this show, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta go do that. I post that on Facebook uh, right around Christmas time. I'll do it mm. next week. Mm. Um, and, and, and just kind of a reminder. And, and most things I post when I'm writing about the metaphysical, I keep it on the Helping Parents Heal yep. line, which I, I'm a contributor on, and, and I spoke at their at their uh, their, their uh, international convention, which I was really honored in, in Phoenix this year. It's an amazing organization of any parents who've lost kids. It's Helping Parents Heal. And you have to have lost a child to be able to be part of the group. Yeah. Um, and and it's, you know, it's, it's a club nobody wants to join. Right, yeah, but it's high nice price. To know we're not of, yeah, alone. high price of admission. So oh. let's go in that direction a little bit because people listening and, and you know we're talking about your son, but I will tell you, you know, I'm sitting here in my studio and I have my my memory table not far away. It's actually a 1958 Grundig stereo my pa- parents bought for each other when they got married, and on top of that, I have all kind of the pictures of all my relatives who are no longer with me, will not spend Christmas with me again, and I think loss takes a lot of different forms. For sure, yeah. the loss on the level of losing a son or a daughter is 
is visceral and 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 debilitating. And I, I watch people on Facebook. I don't know how they do it. Use Facebook almost as a as a therapy sounding board that have lost kids and they just want someone to hear them. And then I remembered back when I did the show about Chelsea and Tim back in '02. We got on the next day after this this event took place, and I thought, well, we'll just do our regular show and talk about them for a little bit. We were on for seven hours. My God. And people wanted to talk about them. But what I also learned, and which I will hear after the show is aired, is that people, loss is loss. So somebody who lost somebody in 1963, their younger brother or sister, they're going to hear this and go, it's still there. Right. What do you say to folks like that? You know, it's funny. I just, I literally just posted something. Sunday or Saturday, I was picking up my wife's Ice Grande Americano <laughs> at, at Starbucks, <laughs> which, you know, don't get me started. But yeah. uh, you know, after hot, after I already had my eight o'clock, two cups of my eight o'clock coffee on the way. You hot know? and black like your socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, uh, and, and, and I was sitting just waiting for my, my wife's coffee and a young kid, eight, seven, nine, they were going through the pastries looking for his donut. And then he, he was so proud of himself. He goes, I found it, daddy. You know, and mm. and I and I started to cry. You know, and it just reminded me of my, you know, I, I yeah. miss my I miss my eight year old boy, and I miss you know him being twenty one, and I miss you know miss being sixteen. Yeah. But the bottom, Ryan, I mean, nobody noticed me in the background. You know, you know, holding back a tear, yeah. which came down when I got in the car, and that's what I tell people. You know, anybody who said time heals all wounds hasn't lost a child, right? right? It's not going away now. Most of the time, I you know like listening to your song, just you know knock you know knock the wind out of me. It was like yeah. a, a, a gut punch, right? And 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 but after this interview, I'm going to jump in my car and go down. I have to meeting in the office, mm-hmm. you know. So it doesn't stop me from being this good dad, good employee, good friend, you know. But I allow myself to take those moments. I allow the tsunami to take me out and then dump me back on the on the mm, sand. Mm. A little beat up, maybe a little wiser, right? But certainly more compassionate. So, you know, I will tell people that it doesn't go away. We just acquire more tools to allow us to handle it, right? Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is we'll never be whole until I we cross over and we, we see our kids again on the other side. Um, you know, but once again, you don't have to wait. They're around you, and it's nowhere near as good. It's a bad deal, bad contract. Yeah, it is. Right? But, yeah. It, but it's better than believing that it's empty, right? And they're gone because they're not. Right. I mentioned my friend Doug a little bit ago. Uh, I will see him this week later, and we'll be in the Naked Men's Club. It'll be about 190 degrees, and I'm not used to it like I used to be back <laughs> in the day. But we'll go in there, and I will sit and sweat, and we'll talk. And this is a guy who, when his and, – and, and, Dennis, who was uh, Tim's dad, they both said this to me, which I, you know, my brain hears it. I hear it in my head, but I can't qualify it. They said, we wouldn't be the men we are today if my kids, if our kids had still been around. Right. And I can't even fathom, but they both say, we wanted to make sure something came out of our loss. And what seemed to be for both of them, more Doug than Denny, is that he became this better man. He says, I wouldn't have been this guy. I'm a substantially better guy. I care more about what your friends are going through than I ever mm. would have. I would have said, gee, that's too bad, and felt sad for them. Yeah. And then gone about my life, you know, doing my whatever it is to fulfill me. So I'm thinking, you know, John, before you go, 
let me overnight you a few books to give them and mine yeah or yeah whatever. okay and, and so that's where mine takes me now mm-hmm. it sure wasn't there before you know um and and i'm grateful that i'm a different guy i think the truth of the matter is when i cross over and 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 chris has told me how it's what it's going to be like he's you know he said to me and you'll like this part he said to me pop your side is like football camp he said <laughs> it's physical it's grueling it's hot right. you're, it's august you're sweating he said, you're getting beat up, you know, you're tired, everything hurts, but you're with your friends, you're eating, you're laughing, and you're competing. He said, and it's good. He said, my my side is a beach bungalow in Maui. Mine's better. <laughs> you know, Mine's so, better. So that's, I mean, that's where we're going, right? Mm-hmm. Whether your heaven's a beach bungalow in Maui or a cabin up in Minnesota, that's where we go when we cross. You know, he said, Dad, it'll be like walking through, uh, walking through the woods and taking a step over a stream. He said, mm. "I can't bring you over, but I'm there the minute you step over, and we'll be together." You know, so I, I have very little. How about no fear of death? You know, mm. I'll tell you something we haven't talked about, John, is when my my precious precious older sister Marsha, who's in heaven since 2019, and, and when. And she was Christopher's godmother and somebody that understood him as well as I did and loved him uh, as well as, as very much. And, and when, she, when she was transitioning, you know, she said to me, honey, Joey, you know, I, I, you gave me the greatest book. I read your book and I'm not afraid to die. Hmm. And a year after that, I was with the medium on my birthday. And she said, your sister's here with Christopher. And she's saying to tell you, did she call you Joey? She goes, Joey. Thank you for the greatest gift, you know. <laughs> like your friend's yeah. window, right? Yeah. Window yeah. etchings. Yeah. You know, you can't explain that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Last few minutes we have together, my friend. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know you thought this was a one and done deal, but sure. it turned obviously not. Now you're working on a third one. Right. So do you see this as just an uh, this progression? Obviously, like me, you're not qualified to do what you're doing, Joe. That's the <laughs> bottom line. But we no, we won't tell anybody. Yeah, but, let's keep that under our head. Yeah, right, right. And uh, but as this as this keeps evolving, do you see this as as something you know? Because you think you're done with one. There's two. Now we're going on three. What does all that mean to you? You know what it means that I've been given a task, which is to as I evolve, write about the path. Right. The, the second book is different from the third, and the third book is different than the first and second. All based on the exact same event and what's happened because of that. But our relationship has evolved, Christopher and I, since he's been on the other side. And that's exactly happened. I mean, it, the, the title of the second book, finishing the first book, I was feeling melancholy, like, which is a great Irish term, right? Yeah. I was feeling melancholy, like, when I'm done with this project, are, are we not going to have this closeness that I've been experiencing mm. for a year and a half? And, and he came to me and he said, you know, we're not done yet, Pop. You know, you'll be writing until you cross. Right. So... That was it was relieving. It was like somebody took a weight off my shoulder that this, you know, this partnership isn't going to end. I've got work to do, and it's sanctioned by Chris and and, and the Great Spirit. So I'm a higher all in, authority. You know? It's a higher, higher authority. Higher power. So God, Yahweh, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call him. He's yeah. you know he's the source, and if he's on board and Chris is on board, sign me up. I got you. Even if get- I'm even if I'm riding the bench, bro. <laughs> Which you have, and so have I. Oh, I have right? at least half of my life. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, what's the big takeaway, aha, for you? But let me just ask this differently. 
this your microphone now for the next minute or two, brother. What do you yeah. say to people that are that have experienced the loss that you have or other loss in their life going into the holidays? Take it away, Joe. Okay. So first of all, I'm, anybody who's experienced that kind of loss that I have and others that John has talked about, you know, my heart just breaks for you. It goes out. It, it goes out to you, really. And the holidays are such difficult times. I mean, let's face it. We're thinking of memories of, uh, I posted that this one thing I wrote and had a picture of my son standing in front of a fireplace, pointing at the, the footprint of, of Santa that I put on in the soot. You know, those continuously, uh, you know, take you out at the knees and, and you just got to let it and, and, and start viewing it with love. But accept the frailties that we are, that our hearts get broken you know, and they'll never be unbroken until we, we cross. So I'm just telling you, A, they're not gone. Do a little work, do some research, reach out to a medium, go online, books, James Von Prague, you know, John Holland, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a big source of wonderful books. Mine, in all humility, are really good books, especially for the, the, the beginner, the guy who hasn't raised in a metaphysical world. You know, but your children are still with you. Your loved ones are still there. But you got to tap into it. You got to do your part. You know, Susan Geisman, who's become a friend, and I adore her. You know, she was the, she was the uh, 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 secretary, uh, undersecretary of the Joint Chief of Staff, or she assistant to the Joint Chief of Staff, Navy Commander, and she's a medium and author. Hmm. And she wrote a book called Still Right Here. And that's what I'm telling you. Don't give up hope. They're still right here. But you got to do your part. Nice job, my friend. And I will tell you, as, as you're saying all this, uh, my friend Conrad Reader, who lost her husband, I realize that the amount of grief I have is in direct proportion to the amount of love I have. And that is something to be celebrated, even though it's very, very painful. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what people say, you know, do you let go of the grief? And I say, I let go of aspects of the grief, but I never want to let go of the grief because it's directly proportional to the love, and I want that connection. There you go. Joe, one more time before I cut you loose, let me people know where to find you and how to get your books. Okay. So, Joe McQuillan, my email is jbmcquillan at gmail.com, M-C-Q-U-I-L-L-E-N. Reach out, questions, just something you want to feedback, whatever. I have a website, joemcquillan.net. There's tips for connecting there. There's tips to line your chakras, things that a guy with a broken nose and a crow cut, <laughs> crew cut usually don't talk about, you know. And and my books are on uh, Amazon. Both uh, They're in Kindle, hardcover, or, or softcover, and, and Audible. So, you know, reach out, um, you know, and fill your soul a little bit for Christmas because I think it'll help. My thanks to Joel McQuillan for spending time with us again. You can find his work at joemcquillan.net. His books are on Amazon. He's on Facebook. Uh, Salt of the Earth guy. Listen, I get this is a difficult time of the year. You know, the emotions that that flow around the holidays are, you know, fast and furious sometimes. And uh, they're hard to navigate. Um, and it gets to be overwhelming, I think, in a lot of ways. So much of what we see around us is about happiness and joy and, and all that goes along with this season, which is true. It's a part of, of uh, the celebration. But I also know that it dredges up a lot of stuff for people, and that can be difficult, and especially when it comes to loss. And so I really uh, admire Joe for uh, taking the difficulty and challenge that his family has endured with his son's death and doing something with it, creating you know, something very, very valuable out of Chris passing, which is these books that are fantastic. And 
again, I, I wish you could know him like I know him. And maybe you got a sense of that. This is a guy who literally, if you saw him, you know, on a street corner, you'd think, well, he's like a bricklayer or something, but he's a hard nosed Buffalo guy. I should ask about the Buffalo Bills and what he thinks their Super Bowl chances are. But he's just a regular guy who found himself in highly irregular circumstances. That's usually what happens, right? You're an ordinary person and something comes along, gives you the opportunity to become an extraordinary person. But it's done through loss for the most part, usually not through gain. We learn more from our difficulties and hurts. Pain instructs. And if you listen, you can come through that in a way that makes it have more value than just a hole in your heart. And so as I sit here, as I mentioned with Joe, looking at the pictures of my family that are all gone, most of them for many, many years, uh, I think about Christmases I had with them. And there's a little bit of sadness there, but that's supposed to be there. It validates the time we had together. And, and like I say on this show all the time, you know, tomorrow's not promised to any of us. I think that's one of the great challenges that we have. We walk around like everything's going to happen forever. It doesn't work that way. His son was just 21 years old, going out to have a good time with his buddies. And it's a horrible tragedy. But out of that tragedy and difficulty and challenge comes something amazing that would not exist had things been different. I am sure, every, listen, in my first book, Living an Uncommon Life, there's a whole chapter, the book ends with the Love Lights the Way, which is about Chelsea and Tim that I talk about in this show. I've talked about in other shows. And every time I even go there, I am afraid I'm not going to do their lives justice by talking about it because it's near impossible the magnitude and the glory of their lives to try and capture that in some way, shape or form, whether it's in print or conversation, I always want to try and get it right. And sometimes I don't want to talk about it all because I'm afraid of not getting it right for them. But here's the two takeaways from Chelsea and Tim that were in that book and it's what they live their lives with. And I will pass this along to you from them. Chelsea said, this is so simple. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. That's it. Treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. And Timmy said, do things 100% or don't waste time because there's no time to waste. 16 years old and 17, they had it figured out. People sit on therapist's couch for months to figure this shit out. Treat people the way you want to be treated. It'll be all right. Do things 100% or don't waste your time because there's no time to waste. That's the fact. That's the way it rolls. I wish you a, a great rest of the week. Until next time, be well, safe travels. Keep the faith. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan. snow and mistletoe and
If all 